On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla might already have a concrete timeline for their next generation hardware 4 autopilot computer. The Model Y is getting a taillight change. Elon Musk jokes about the new Tesla Roadster's wheels and more. Howdy, friends. Welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, episode 264 for August 23rd, 2020. Ryan McCaffrey, glad to be with you as always, and behind me, hanging out on the floor, just chilling, of course, Daisy the Boxer. And uh, it has been another fun week of Tesla news. I've actually had a really busy week with my own Tesla, which I'll tell you about later in the show. Typically here during this quarantine period, I've not had a lot to say about what I've been up to with my car, but it's been a very busy week for the better. So I'll talk about that later in the show. Real quick, uh, just a housekeeping note before I get going. This is the last call for my limited time Patreon offer, which ends on September 1st. The group Google Hangout that is there for anybody that joins at the seven, the new $7 tier or higher, uh, or upgrades to that. Uh, I'll be doing the group Google Hangout for that so we can hang out, talk about Tesla, talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm aiming for that, I think, on Sunday, September 6th, maybe around noon Pacific. Hopefully that would be a reasonable time for just about everybody. So uh, that is the plan there. If you've been thinking about supporting the podcast, you know, there's a little extra bonus in it for you right now because uh, in addition to that group Google Hangout, you'll of course get the caller priority and then as always the early access to each week's episode as well. And a real quick other thing on that topic as well, by total coincidence this week, I got an email from Patreon. They have just started offering annual Patreon pledging. So if you would prefer to support the show all year, but just pay once, you can now do that. And I'm offering a 5% discount in return. I'm able to, to enable a little discount on that. So uh, if you do wanna support Ride the Lightning and you wanna do it for in just a one lump sum payment for the year, I'll give you a 5% discount back. Or if you wanna look at it another way, roughly one month's discount uh, or so, depending, depending on uh, what you choose there. But regardless, whether you're on Patreon with me, whether you're considering it or just listening, regardless, I, I very much appreciate your support. All right, let's get on with the Tesla news. There is plenty of it, as always. Rarely a dull moment, rarely a dull week in the world of Tesla. And kicking it off, Hardware 4. We just got the Hardware 3 uh, chip, which is the full self-driving computer. We just got that, let's see, less than a year and a half ago is when it started actually going into cars. And now Hardware 4 chips may have a timeline on them. This comes via a report in the China Times who writes, quote, Broadcom and Tesla are cooperating to develop ultra-large HPC chips for automotive use. They are produced using Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company's 7 nanometer process and are the first to use TSMC's SOW advanced packaging technology. Each 12-inch wafer can only be cut out uh, with 25 chips. Production of the new chips will begin in the fourth quarter of, yes, 
this year. With an initial production of about 2,000 wafers, it is expected to enter the full mass production stage after the fourth quarter of next year, the report read. So that's basically, they're going to they're gonna run a batch uh, for internal use, just testing, and then if all goes well, it's all taped out and they'll, manuf- they'll mass produce them and they'll start going into cars. It sounds like in the you know Q1 2022. Now if you remember back to Autonomy Day, which again was about a year and a half ago, Elon said then that the next generation of the full self-driving computer after Hardware 3 was already in the works at that time, uh, again right as Hardware 3 was starting to go into cars. Now anyway, it sounds like again this might start going into cars really right about the same time the Cybertruck is going to head into production. Now, I would imagine that's very much on purpose. That's probably the plan. Ship every Cybertruck with the hardware for autopilot computer, and then, of course, other vehicles at that point as well. But at least with the Cybertruck specifically, that is a vehicle planned for a relative high-volume production. I mean, it actually remains to be seen whether... The Cybertruck ends up being 50,000 a year, 100,000 a year, 500,000 a year. I mean, we know the uh, the F-150 does what, like a million a year, something like that. So there there is a high ceiling on the potential Cybertruck production. It could theoretically become Tesla's highest volume vehicle, surpassing what is expected to be uh, the title holder there, which is the Y, of course, for now. It's the Model 3, but the S was doing about 50,000 at its peak per year, 50 to 60,000 prior to the start of Model 3 production. Obviously, the 3 really has eaten into the sales of the S, and, and Tesla seemingly doesn't mind. They are more than happy to do that. The S sales, SNX, considerably lower now, but anyway, that's uh, getting away from my point, which is to say it would make sense to try and aim to have hardware 4 ready to go at the start of Cybertruck production because however many Cybertrucks get produced every year, whatever the production volume is, if you can get all of those having hardware 4 chips in them, it eliminates one of the uh, items on the the to-do list to potentially upgrade people. Now, uh, that brings me to my next question, which is, If you've paid for the full self-driving upgrade, will you get hardware 4 or will you get the hardware 3 that that a lot of us have already been upgraded to? The question is, how necessary will hardware 4 be or will it just be something that's, I mean, it'll certainly be more powerful, more more capable, but is it really going to be about more efficient energy usage? and also efficient in the cost department. Will it just be a, a cost savings measure for Tesla realized on a, on a very, very large production scale? That remains to be seen. Um, but I, I, I guess I would say I wouldn't assume anything on this one. I mean, we just have so much to learn yet about hardware for. All we've really gotten is that little snippet from Elon back at Battery Day almost a year and a half ago. So... I think the more we learn about Hardware 4, then that might help to inform us as to what the potential upgrade path might look like 
uh, assuming there even is an upgrade path. It's entirely possible that Hardware 4 could use an entirely different bus and not be a plug-and-play replacement with Hardware 3. I think more likely than not, it will use the same bus. It will be hot-swappable easily, but we just, you know, it's too early to tell, and Tesla, if they do decide to make a change and not have it be compatible with Hardware 3 vehicles, uh, there will probably be a very good reason for that, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's Tesla just keeps right on marching forward. Progress at Tesla never stops. So my expectation is that hardware four will will require an additional fee if you've already received your hardware three upgrade. I can't imagine Tesla is just going to keep feeding people. Uh, they're they're not free upgrades. You did pay for them as part of the full self driving package, but I can't imagine given uh, those cards are not cheap. Those chips are not cheap. So I can't imagine Tesla is going to be handing them out uh, more than once as part of your full self-driving package price. But we shall see as the months go on. Next up this week, the Model Y is getting a taillight change. It's not a major one, but it is a change nevertheless. It is not a... A change. I was, I was about to say it's not a cosmetic one, but it actually is. What I should clarify and say is it's not a uh, physical change. It is, it is a change to the look and to the function, but not to the actual physical shape of the taillight. Uh, and the details here come from Tesla's own internal communication, a photo of Tesla's internal uh, communique, if you will, was was sent to me, and the change went into effect on August 13th. So Model Ys, specifically, built on August 13th and later, have this new taillight, uh, and those before, so just, if you're August 12th, you've got the old taillight. Now, if you have a pending order for a Model Y, it might be a coin flip at this point, because, um, you know, who knows what you'll get in production. I mean, if you're just ordering now, you'll probably get these new taillights unless you happen to get matched to a car that's already been built and and or in your area. So it's not a guarantee, but at this point, it's August 21st as I record here. If you have not placed an order, then odds are any order placed from here on out pretty good chance that it's going to have the new taillights. Now, you're probably wondering, Ryan, stop talking. Tell me what the difference is. So uh, I'll read you some quotes from Tesla's own internal document here. The brake lights, uh, so it it goes like this. The outer C-shaped portion of the taillight illuminates brighter to indicate braking. The inner part, which is a little dashed line, little horizontal line, no longer lights up as it does in all the Model 3s and all the current Model Ys. That will now be uh, the amber turn signal only. So that's it is no longer going to have brake light functionality. Instead, it's amber and it will be turn signal only. So uh, as far as the turn signal messaging, it reads as follows. uh, The, uh, excuse me, thin amber horizontal bars Placement is the same, but color is different, and turn signal is now separate from brake light. And then uh, the one other note here, the appearance when the brakes are off 
It's the, quote, the red portion of the lamp appears brighter in the updated version when the taillights are off. So uh, just a slight tweak to it. Basically, I mean, the long and the short of that is they've put in an amber-colored turn signal uh, and taken, and then and they've moved bra- all brake light functionality to the outer C portion. Now, if you're curious, that's how European taillights are. Uh, in, in, on the three, on, on all the other Teslas, the Y is not out yet in Europe. The turn signals, by my understanding, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I have this right. Turn signals are required to be amber in Europe. It's part of the regulatory uh, requirement there. So it would seem as though Tesla is standardizing the taillight across the world for whenever the Y eventually launches outside of the United States, which inevitably will save Tesla money because if you've got only one taillight variant instead of two, then you can, you know, it's just cheaper to order because you're only ordering a whole bunch of one part instead of a good number of two different parts. Next up this week, Gigafactory 1 in Nevada is expanding battery production capacity. This report comes via Tesla Roddy, who writes, the Gigafactory 1 battery plant, often referred to as Giga Nevada, will increase by one production line to 14 total lines in a new $100 million investment from Panasonic. It will increase production capacity by 10% and will bring Giga Nevada's production rate to 39 gigawatt hours per year. Panasonic president Kazuhiro Tsuga stated in May of last year that Giga Nevada had achieved a theoretical capacity of 35 gigawatts per hour, but utilization levels had resulted in 24 gigawatt hour output. The expansion will be the first to ever occur at Giga Nevada since it started mass producing battery cells back in January of 2017, according to the Nikkei Asian Review. The batteries that are produced at the plant will also increase in storage capacity by 5% starting in September, according to Panasonic. Now, 39 gigawatt hours is a lot. That is awesome. That should allow, I would think, for increased Model Y production uh, in Fremont, possibly increased Model S and Model X production should Tesla finally commit to rebooting those cars soon. And I would think this will finally allow for dessert. Yes, that being the Tesla Roadster, because that thing is going to, yes, while it will be relatively low volume compared to actually not even relatively, objectively low volume compared to all the other Teslas, each Roadster will gobble up 200 kilowatt hours of battery uh, per car. So that's a lot. Anyway, yeah, I mean, that was it. That's that's two and a half, I think roughly two and a half Model Threes or or Model Ys. That's a lot of battery. Anyway, uh, I would also expect that that increase in production capacity at Giga One will probably go in part towards increased home battery energy storage production. I mean, all because remember the thing to keep in mind here: the Cybertruck and the Semi battery production is going to happen out of Giga Texas along with production of Model Y for the eastern half of the United States. Giga Berlin is going to handle European Model Y battery production once they get started. 
So that doesn't really factor into the resource allocation as we're talking about it now, since obviously, as I noted earlier, and you all know, the Y isn't available in Europe yet. But the bottom line here is that this absolutely opens the door for Tesla to finally have the resources to do the Roadster. As far as new vehicles go, uh, because again, Cybertruck's going to be the other big new vehicle, but that's going to come out of Texas. I mean, remember how just a couple short years ago, Tesla was so battery starved because of the production ramp increase on the Model 3 that they had to take battery production resources from the energy side of the business. There were They were taking all the Powerwall batteries, all the power pack batteries, so that they could put all of those cells into cars. Now we're finally at the point where Tesla is just increasing Giga One battery production capacity, and it's going to pave the way for increased production and new vehicles, which is just awesome. So just Leo, it, it's a nice contrast looking, you know, two three years ago to that to the battery cell situation to today. It's great to see. Speaking of awesome. A modded Model 3 has broken the record for the fastest electric vehicle lap at Laguna Seca, which is here in the Bay Area, one of the most famous tracks, arguably in the world, if not at least the United States. And it is a record previously held by, get this, the Plaid Model S prototype before it went off to the Nürburgring. This story again coming via Teslarati, a tip of the cap to my friends over there. This modded Model 3 ran the lap in 1 minute 35 seconds and uh, 790 hundredths, or I guess thousandths of a second. No, just 0. 0.790 seconds <laughs> would be uh, would be the uh, the proper way there. Versus the Plaid prototype that ran it in 136.555. So very, very close, but nevertheless, the Model 3 beating the Plaid S's time around Laguna Seca. Now, it's not just a modded Model 3 here, which, by the way, was done up by the aftermarket performance-oriented Tesla specialists that you may have heard of called Unplugged Performance. The other key to this record-breaking time was the person behind the wheel of the vehicle, professional driver Randy Popes, who previously worked with Tesla, if you remember. If that name sounds familiar, well, wait a second. Why do I know that, that name? He worked with Tesla to help dial in track mode for the Model 3 performance when that was first in development and being rolled out. What's even more interesting to me is that the Model 3 performance wasn't even specifically tuned for Laguna Seca. The vehicle, as Tesla Roddy notes, is actually being prepared for the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, so its runs at Laguna Seca were simply a way to test the vehicle's capabilities. The Model 3 even had a weight penalty during its record-breaking run since it was equipped with a 160-pound roll cage that was mandatory for Pikes Peak. Even Popes himself only flew in from the East Coast for 24 hours to test the vehicle. So in other words, he was basically just hopping in and going. He wasn't even completely... I mean, the guy's got plenty of Model 3 seat time at this point, but nevertheless, he hadn't spent a lot of time in this modded Model 3. Uh, unplugged in a statement to Tesla Roddy, unplugged performance CEO Ben Schaffer expressed his excitement at the results of the Model 3 performances plaid breaking lap, saying, quote, 
Our expectations at Laguna Seca were simply to validate the car with Randy and to make sure we are safely dialed in for Pike's Peak. It definitely shocked us all when we beat the lap time of the mighty Plaid Model S prototype in our Model 3. The crazy thing is that we still have a lot of additional modifications being prepared and we've not come near the car's full potential with our upgrades yet. End quote. Uh, the aforementioned Roadster, especially in the hands of someone like Mr. Popst, probably going to torch all these numbers. I mean, it should. That's what it's built for. But in the meantime, seriously, it is just, it is really cool to see what the upper racing limits of, of a vehicle that it, it's widely available. In the Mo Model 3 Performance, you can order up one right now for, you know, what is it? About uh, 60 grand, 65 grand. I mean, it's it's relatively affordable as far as high performance cars go. And it's just doing awesome work on the track. Love to see it. Meanwhile, Elon Musk wants to be, uh, wants to build a bigger toy Tesla. <laughs> he says, quote, we really need a bigger one, referring to the Radio Flyer Kids uh, Model S, which, uh, well, in addition to the other one I'm going to tell you about in a second. But Elon's saying, we really need a bigger one so adults can squeeze in too, guaranteed to make a party more fun, works well with flamethrowers. <laughs> He adds, uh, now he has mentioned the idea of a, of an adult toy Tesla before, basically a sort of, I guess a Tesla go-kart of sorts, but, uh, you know, with a tiny Tesla S, X, Y, three, or maybe even Cybertruck body on it. I wonder what that would cost. One that was big enough to hold an adult and... You know, because that that would not be a small thing. It would be it would be a relatively decent size. I mean, the kids' Radio Flyer Model S is five hundred dollars. So just to sort of set a baseline, and that's just basically all plastic. I don't think a grown-up one could get away with being all plastic. It might not hold up particularly well, but um, it'd be fun to see a grown-up version of it. Now, did you know, I wanted to, to point out something about the kids' version. It's, it, first of all, it's very cool. Uh, second of all, did you know that the $500 kids' radio flyer-made uh, Model S, it has a ludicrous mode setting, but that's not even the funny part. The funny part is that they're not kidding around. With the with the ludicrous mode on the the kids radio flyer because to to switch it on to switch on ludicrous the, the switch to do it is covered up with a clear plastic switch cover that's screwed in so that kids can't flip it without a parental consent basically parental consent and assistance. So you need a screwdriver to get at it so that you can take that plastic cover off and turn on ludicrous mode, which is, uh, which is pretty funny to me. Um, by the way, all of this, which I teased a few moments ago, this whole thing from Elon was precipitated by the fact that the, uh, the, the kids Model S, there's a new one in the lineup. So Radio Flyer now offers a kids Model Y 
which, uh, and it's, it's even for actually, it's even for younger children. It's for toddlers, in fact. It is a smaller, even simpler version of the kids' Model S. And the price tag reflects that. The Model Y is, uh, I'll use only in air quotes, because it's still, an ex- I would call that, having been the, the parent of a toddler, I would consider that still a, an expensive toddler toy, but it's $100 for the, the toddler-sized Model Y, whereas the S that's 500 bucks, also expensive for a kid toy, uh, in my humble opinion. But that one is for slightly older kids. Think like, you know, post-toddler, kind of, I don't know if you'd quite quite go down to four, but let's say five, five to nine, five to 10 kind of range on that. And finally this week, uh, the last item I've got for you in the world of Tesla news Elon Musk, uh, clearly in a humorous mood this week, joking about the kids kids Tesla and making a grown-up version. Well, he also joked about the new Tesla Roadster's wheels. And the Roadster managed to be quite the quite the thread line through the uh, through the show this week. But yes, Elon making a joke about the new Roadster's wheels, specifically the way in which the Roadster's wheels attach to the frame of the car, Elon uh, talking about about uh, nuts, the kind that you attach to to vehicles and spaceships, in his case. And he was replying to someone and he said, my favorite is one intention, other DOF and compression. The new Roadster wheels will only have one nut. And he's referring there to the the F1 racing style, just one big lug nut that will hold the wheel on rather than like our, our S's, X's, 3's, and Y's have, uh, what, I guess they're all five, five bolt, five smaller bolts. So it'll just be the one, one big one for the Roadster. And so a friend of mine who's also a listener of the podcast, my friend Zubin, responding to Elon who, uh, who said, quote, center locking F1 style nuts require a huge torque wrench and a huge nut. Will one come with the new Roadster, meaning he's referring to the wrench, and will all service centers have one available that can torque the single nut to specs uh, over 300 plus pound feet? So a serious question from Zubin there, and Elon replying, quote, Yes, it will have huge nuts. Ha ha. And yes, he did. He typed out ha ha. So yeah, I I did get a kick of that kick out of that myself. I have to say, Zubin, I'm sorry that he didn't actually answer your question, because I too would like to know if every Tesla service center is going to have that tool and those parts, uh, if should they be necessary on site at all times, just in case you know, a Roadsters comes in with a flat tire and they need to take the tire off and take the wheel off and get it back on and torqued properly. So yeah, sorry he didn't answer your question, but you have to admit his reply was pretty funny. That will wrap it up for this week in Tesla news, but stick with me. Plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls, a lot of great discussion topics coming up right after this.
Real quick, before we get to the Ride the Lightning hotline, I wanted to tell you about value investor and Tesla Model 3 owner Vitaly Katzenelson. Vitaly writes for Financial Times, Barron's, Forbes, a bunch of others, and also on his website, contrarianedge.com. As he got to know his Model 3, and this is something I can relate to, he went down the rabbit hole, as we say, of researching everything about Tesla as a company and the EV industry in general once he got and fell in love with his Model 3. The result is a 37-page analysis on teslaanalysis.com that deep dives on a number of great topics, including why EVs are a smartphone-like paradigm shift, the key technologies that are a key to the auto industry's shift to EVs and how they will affect our lives, Tesla's competitive advantages, the future of Tesla as an industry power player, and much more. To get the analysis as an email series and or as a downloadable PDF, visit teslaanalysis.com. That's teslaanalysis.com. Plenty of great stuff to talk about on the Ride the Lightning Hotline this week, and I invite you to participate. Be part of the podcast. You can do that in one of two easy ways. Please uh, try to keep your question to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many folks as possible each week. And once you've done that, you can send it to me in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, just record the question, send it my way via email, teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Very simple. It's a toll-free number that you can call or Skype if you like. That number, 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Wes from South Carolina is going to kick us off here. Go ahead, Wes. This is Wes Johnston from South Carolina. Just finished listening to your podcast about Tesla cars recognizing each other and rendering them on a radar display. It occurs to me that rather than doing it visually with cameras, it might be easier to make each car send a unique audio pulse with its own ultrasonic bumper sensors. Other cars in the vicinity could recognize the data and know which car to display. It might even be as simple as old school Morse code. That is a really cool idea, Wes. Thank you for calling in. My guess, and yes, it is just a guess, is that they'll do it with the cameras because that's how they're training the entire autopilot neural network, with images. I mean, that's what the upcoming Project Dojo is all about, too. So I suspect they'll just tap into that and use the neural net to recognize the shape of the S the shape of the X, the shape of the three, and the shape of the Y, uh, and of course, future Teslas. But your idea is super cool, and I definitely wouldn't put it past Tesla. Now, as far as what the cars are gonna look like in the visualization, our friend Green the Only, the white hat hacker who I mentioned from time to time here on the podcast, he has found, uh, you know, down deep in the car's software, the renders for the four cars and so what what they're going to look like when they're displayed on your screen so you can head to his twitter account if you would like to get a sneak peek at that thank you again wes jg from lincecum maryland is up next go ahead jg hi ryan my name is jg from lincecum maryland i had a question just listen to your autopilot 
most recent podcast. Do you know off the top of your head for any of us driving the hardware autopilot version one, if the rewrite UI is going to affect us as well? I think so, but I've been having a difficult time trying to figure out if it's just for full self-driving and newer Teslas or if it's going to include a rewrite for all of us. I think it is. Would be helpful. Thanks so much and love the podcast. JG, thank you so much for your call. I am sorry to have to deliver bad news after you were kind enough to take the time to call in here, but unfortunately, no. Autopilot on Hardware One is done. It is not being worked on anymore. The autopilot rewrite the Tesla is working on now is for their own in-house code. The original Hardware One was from Mobileye, a company that Tesla had a very public and fairly ugly divorce with. Now, the good news is that Hardware One Autopilot is super solid with what it does. It is really good but uh, it will not be gaining any new features or uh, presumably other efficiencies, I'm afraid. So again, sorry to have to be the bearer of bad news there, but Hardware One is still really, really excellent. Uh, Damon from Northbrook, Illinois is up next with a bit of a charging tip. This is an educational to me. I hope you'll find it useful as well. Damon, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois again. Got a tip about charging. We've been using a device called Quick 220, which allows us to take two 120 outlets and turn them into a higher voltage outlet for faster charging with the mobile connector. The reason I bring this up is I hear a lot of people talking negatively about extension cords and charging if you don't have a dedicated 240 volt outlet. This was kind of a stopgap for us while we were waiting to do some remodeling on our home but it's turned out to be really good for us while we do road trips or as right now while we're remodeling, living with family and using their electrical system. It gives us a higher charging rate than going with just a single 120 outlet. For my X, it's about 10 miles an hour, and for my 3, it's about 16. And that's plenty for overnight charging, visiting friends and family. The main thing to consider when doing something like this is just having the proper cables. The people at Quick220 were able to advise the proper gauge to do it safely, and we've been doing it for over a year now with no problems. Our plan all along was to do the higher voltage, but we just wanted to do it at the right time, and this was the perfect stopgap to get us there. But now we have this thing. It's a great product to have for when you're on the go or as a backup. So I just wanted to share this for those who might be looking for that third alternative to charging at home and to hopefully lower the barrier to potentially would-be new EV adopters. Well, that's it for this time. Thanks again, Ryan, for all you do. Take care. Hey, Damon, I really appreciate this call because uh, I confess I've never heard of Quick220 until your call. And that is, again, yet another reason why I love the hotline portion of this podcast. Not only do I get to hear from a bunch of you guys, I get to learn new stuff. I'll tell you, this sounds like an ingenious product. I mean, I'm glad that you said that you consulted with the Quick220 folks about the proper gauge cable to use, because I will admit to you, Damon, my knee-jerk reaction to this, because, you know, it's like I, I have to try and, or I do try to be responsible about what I'm putting out there on the podcast. I want to make sure I'm giving good information, factual information, reliable information, and uh, safe information in the sense of uh, the, the 
the quality of the product, you know, I wouldn't want to recommend something in this case that's that's uh, you know could be dangerous. It's a third party thing, but. Uh, once, as soon as you said that you actually consulted with them and they walked you through it, that made me feel a little bit better. So, um, it, yeah, it's like I said, it sounds like you've taken all of the proper steps here and that it is now working great for you. So I am more than happy to pass this along to others in case it may be of use. It sounds like it could be a really good, as you noted, a, a travel option with your car. So thank you very much, Damon. I want to go up to Toronto now and talk to Richard. Richard, you're on the air. Good afternoon, Ryan. It's Richard from Toronto uh, calling with a few quick items. Uh, first of all, with respect to Professor Jeff Don's university, the name of the university is Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We recently took delivery of a Model Y, our third Tesla. In my view, the Model Y is the best Tesla ever. They've really outdone themselves in the engineering. I would also like to commend both Snap Plate and Pure Tesla for the front license plate holder and their USB. We've got both of those products, which are sponsors of your show, and both are excellent. Uh, Today it was mentioned that it would be helpful if the instructions for using the Tesla in the form of videos were available in the car. I found in the entertainment section in our Model Y that Tesla has done just that and now includes a series of videos instructing you on the use of the different elements of the car. The one piece of bad news in all of this is that the fit and finish on our recently delivered Model Y was not up to scratch with the result that the car had to go back in to get some remedial work done uh, right out of the gate. That is a first for us. We've had, uh, this is our fourth Tesla in the family and none of the preceding three needed that, uh, two of them to myself and, and one to another family member. So that was a bit disappointing. That being said, the vehicle itself is a phenomenal piece of technology. I'm looking forward to getting it back in a couple of days and we'll provide further updates if there's any uh, news or excitement. Thanks again for your great show. Look forward to it every week. Take care. Bye-bye. Richard, thank you for the call and the kind words. And I'm glad the friends of the podcast like Pure Tesla and Snapplate are treating you well. Again, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I want to make sure that I'm recommending good stuff to my listeners. I mean, in these cases, I'm using this stuff too. But uh, I'm sorry to hear that your Model Y was not delivered in tip-top shape. Here's hoping that by the time you hear this, Tesla has already uh, made you whole here. And I'll tell you, the main response I would have for you is uh, I wanted to respond to the tutorial videos that you mentioned in response to me talking about my whole interactive tutorial idea when you first take delivery. I wanted to say, Richard, thank you for mentioning those tutorial videos because I should have mentioned that. Uh, they are located, if you're curious, in the theater in the entertainment section of your app tray. I, again, I wish I'd brought that up initially. That would have been good information to pass along, but uh, I, I failed on that one, so I appreciate you picking me up, Richard. But those, of course, I will say, uh, those are still just videos. I still think an interactive walkthrough 
right on the car's touchscreen would be super helpful, particularly as Tesla grows and grows and, and brings in a lot more new people that have never even looked at an electric vehicle before, let alone driven one. I think that could be a really, really helpful feature. So hopefully it'll happen someday. Next up, Michael from Milbray has an idea for a Model Y Wave. You recall that a ways back, I had an idea for a Model 3 Wave and had to bail on it for, uh, for I guess, world politics, weird, I forget it, kind of just had to bail on it. Uh, but here's a good idea from Michael from Milbray about uh, Model Y owners saying hi to each other in a unique way. Go ahead, Michael. Hey Ryan, it's Michael from Milbray. I'm seeing more and more Model Ys on the road, and you haven't even given us a hand gesture to greet them with. So I've got one for you. Thumb and pinky finger extended like the hang loose sign. It also happens to be the American Sign Language letter Y. You're welcome. Michael, I like it. I like it a lot. The existing connotation for it, as you noted, with the hang loose, is a totally friendly thing, and the sign language for Y, which again... I said earlier in the show, I love learning new stuff, and that's what part of the, what the hotline does for me, teaches me new things, and so it has done so again this week. I confess, I did not know that until just now, so once again, yay, learned something new today, uh, but I love that. That's perfect. I mean, how perfect is that? What a great sort of dual-layer thing you've got going on there, and both both things are, are excellent, so I love it. I'm totally on board with this, so... Model Y owners, get out there and start wiving. Sorry, it's a bad dad joke. Waving. <laughs> uh, enjoy. Anyway, Michael, thank you so much. Matershin from Toronto, we'll go back up to Toronto, wants to talk uh, Tesla toys, or maybe maybe they're not toys, but Tesla showpieces. Let's put it that way. Matershin, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Matushin from Toronto. I hope you're doing great. Um, this is about the Cybertruck. So um, we have to wait a good year or even two years for the Cybertruck to get uh, into public hands. Uh, but as, as a Tesla fanatic, a Cybertruck lover, uh, I cannot wait for the Cybertruck. Uh, so I really want something to, you know, at least look at it every morning. Uh, to remind me that uh, I'll be getting the Cybertruck soon, um, which uh, what I'm talking about is the cast model of the Cybertruck. So Tesla do have their Model S, X, Y. Um, I don't even, I don't know if they have the Y yet, but they do have the Roadster, which is not coming for another two years or so. I really wish Tesla could um, also sell the cast model for the Cybertruck because so far all we have is the 3D printed uh, you know models that are not good from eBay or the Hot Wheels version which is which costs like upwards of $400 or plus and or the smaller Hot Wheels version uh, so I really wish Tesla could uh, do something about that and do a cast model uh, I just want to know your opinion on that and uh, if you think uh, they're gonna do that anytime soon or they're gonna wait until uh, they release the Cybertruck. Uh, I'd love to know your opinion on this. Uh, I really enjoy the podcast. Um, thanks for all you do. I'll talk to you later. It is always great to hear from you, Matershin. I'll tell you, I think there will be a die-cast Cybertruck. Uh, as you noted, they've got just about every other car in a 1 scale. I've got, I've got my Roadster 
behind me. It's on top of my Xbox. So if you ever watch me in my day job on IGN, on any of the videos that I do, you will see in the background of, of my setup here, you'll see that red roadster sitting behind me. But um, I will tell you, my only hesitation about the possibility of, of, of a uh, 118th scale Cybertruck model being sold by Tesla is the Hot Wheels toy that you mentioned. I mean, yes, there's the sold out big one, but then there's the cheaper, smaller one too. It is possible, I mean, I don't know how, the, it depends how they arranged it, but it's possible that as part of that deal with Hot Wheels, that Tesla agreed not to sell their own 118th scale, you know, die cast, nice fancy model for now. Although granted, the Tesla version is, I would argue, more hardcore than the Hot Wheels one. At least, well, I mean, the $400 one, the $400 Hot Wheels one is that much in large part because it's remote control. You can drive it around. So, I mean, maybe they wouldn't even really be competing, but I just hope that whenever... If and when Tesla does finally do a 118th scale Cybertruck model, that it's actually made from stainless steel and not die-cast metal. That, that to me, I would buy one in a heartbeat because I don't plan to buy the real Cybertruck because the one-to-one scale is just too big for, for my San Francisco life. But if there were a stainless steel-bodied 118th scale I would pay $250 for that because that's how much uh, the rest of them, the rest of Tesla's 118th scale models go for. Thanks, Matershan. Uh, an anonymous caller is up next. Uh, let's hear what they have to say. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for your show. Uh, I really enjoy your uh, show. I've been listening for um, years. Um, first time calling in. So on the Model 3 uh, you know, and Model Y, I guess, uh, screen, on the two-thirds of the screen, where you have the information slash infotainment, um, there is a space between the Tesla, you know, logo and the, the easy entry, you know, icon menu. I hope, you know, somebody at Tesla can help us utilize that space to be able to add shortcuts. So one shortcut I would like to see is the acceleration. So, you know, most of the time I drive on chill, but there are a few times where, you know, I just want to stomp on it. Uh, you know, you just want to get out of a situation or just feel like I want to rip it out <laughs> just for a couple minutes and then go back to chill. So if we can have, you know, the ability to add, uh, you know, a few shortcuts, especially for those you can toggle in just two states in that area to add a couple of them, that would be very, very nice. I really hope somebody at Tesla is listening. And thank you so much for the show. Um, I really enjoy it. And uh, um, keep it going. Uh, thanks. I like this idea a lot. Thank you very much for calling. Effectively, they could be like macros on a keyboard, right? And you could bind custom shortcuts to each slot, however many end up fitting in there. So, yes, I, too, hope that somebody from Tesla is listening to consider that one. Good stuff. Tom from Chicago is up next. Tom, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Tom from Chicago. It's been a while. Elon's uh, recent comments regarding the visualization of other Teslas on the center display and the potential for a punch buggy game seem fun. I also remember the community discussing a while back the gamification 
regarding earning badges for superchargers, achievements for different mileage milestones, uh, leaderboards, things like that. So if Tesla plans to unite the community through this punch buggy type game, it would be cool if they took it a step further and really gamified the ownership experience. Anyway, just wanted to put that out into the universe to see if it sticks. Keep up the great work. Later, dude. Tom, thank you, because I will be honest with you. I totally forgot about that. Yes, that was something my friend Trevor from Tesla Owners Online had been championing, and I know he got a reply from Elon at one point about that. And yes, it does make total sense for all of that to be tied together. So here's hoping that you're onto something and that Tesla is thinking right along with you. Our final caller this week goes by Pig. Yes, he wrote me and insisted. That's okay. That's what everybody calls him. Pig in Springfield, Illinois, has a question about how to get in to Battery Day that's coming up. Go ahead, Pig. Hi, Ryan. This is Pig from Springfield, Illinois. I was calling to ask if you knew about getting into the annual shareholder meeting and Battery Day. been a shareholder for around two years and was planning to attend the event this year. but couldn't find any information about rules of getting in. I sent an email today about voting on issues in regards to being a shareholder, and it had an option to make my vote in person at the event. I checked this option, but I was wondering if you've been to one of these events before, and if so, is there any way to ensure entry outside of just waiting outside? I wanted to check before booking a flight out there. Thanks and enjoy your show. Well, Pig, I have not been to one, but it so happens that just today, prior to recording, some updated information came through on this, which I am happy to share with you and any other uh, listeners who are interested to hear it. So uh, it is now going to be a lottery because they need to severely limit the number of people in attendance. So they've decided that the fairest way to do it is through a lottery. So Uh, Tesla writing on their investor relations page, we expect to accommodate a very limited number of stockholders in person at the 2020 annual meeting and the Battery Day event due to mandated restrictions on the size of in-person gatherings. Both events will be held at Tesla. Uh, We are excited to be able to host attendees in strict accordance with a format that provides robust health control measures. We will also employ additional safety measures and screening protocols to protect, protect our attendees and personnel. To maximize fairness, we are conducting a random drawing to determine our stockholders' eligibility to attend both events in person. If you are a stockholder on July 31st, 2020, you may apply for the drawing below. So uh, there's some other details on there. You've got to have the proof, provide proof uh, that you're a shareholder on July 31st of this year. So to find out more, go to tesla.com slash 2020 shareholder meeting, all one word there. That's got all of the information, and it's also the place to register for that lottery. Thank you, Pig. Thank you to everybody that called in this week. I'll have plenty more calls next week, especially if you call me. I would love to hear from you, give you the call-in information at the top of the segment, so do not be shy. I would love to hear from you if you've got a Tesla-related question, comment, or discussion topic on the mind. Stick with me. I'll be right back. Like I said, at the top of the show, I've actually been very busy with my own car this week. I've got plenty to tell you about, plus the pro tip of the week coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. 
You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. A few things to mention for you about what I've been up to this week. First, I had a tiny dent removed from my car. It was down near the uh, right front wheel, just sort of behind the the front wheel. Uh, it was about a, it's about a two inch, just straight line horizontal dent, uh, slightly at an angle. I genuinely have no idea where it came from. I actually noticed it when it was at Immaculate Reflections last, getting the, the replacement paint protection film put on, and it was up on the lift, so the dent was right at eye level. I was like, what? Where'd that come from? And just no idea. Uh, the, the the dent guy, who I'll mention in a second, he thought like maybe it could have been like a skateboard whacking into it. Uh, I mean, the car's always garaged. It's uh, I mean, it's granted, it's not always, but... It's at home a lot, and at my office there's a garage, even though I haven't and I haven't been to the office in forever, but it's also been at home for a while. So very strange. I just have no idea where it came from, but thankfully it was super minor. So I looked up, uh, I just searched and found a guy through the Tesla Motors Club forums who's here in the Bay Area. And I'll tell you, I'll give the guy a plug because he was awesome, had a nice time talking to him. He came right to my home to do the work in the garage. Uh, was very prompt, very professional, and most importantly, did a tremendous job because it's it's like it never happened now. So if you're in the Bay Area and ever need paintless dent repair, look up this guy. His name is Sal, and his website is dentexpertsal.com. So there was that. I'm happy to have that dent eliminated. Also, uh, I forget, I wish I could remember who recommended this to me whether it was a listener, a forum thread, or, or somewhere else, but somebody had recommended using Orange Degreaser, which is a product by uh, from Chemical Guys, to use on the white seats. And so I had ordered some forever ago, and then I finally just remembered, oh, I need to wa- I need to clean my seats. It's been too long. Oh yeah, I bought that that Orange Degreaser stuff that somebody recommended to me. Tried it out. I tell you, it works great. I'm gonna use that from now on. I'm not going to do the alcohol wipe, baby wipe thing anymore. I'm going to use this orange degreaser and just, the, I mean, the, my seats, the, the white seats, they're two years old. They're, I mean, it's however 20 something thousand miles. They look brand new. I mean, they, they look great. Even the driver's seat, which obviously has by far the most usage out of any of the other seats in the car, but good stuff. So if you're, if you're looking for a good seat cleaner for your white uh, interior Tesla seats, Orange degreaser made by Chemical Guys. Check that out. I think I did get it off of Amazon, if I remember. So I think it should be relatively widely available. Also, uh, I'm not quite done yet. So had the car. We were out for a drive. We needed to go to Target. And so we just, my wife's been doing the shopping because I have asthma and she just doesn't want me. She wants my exposure minimized. So, okay, we're on our way home. From a, from a drive, and, and she says, let's go to Target. It's on the way home. So there's one here that's got a supercharger at in the same, right, right next door to the Target, same parking lot. It's the, the San Mateo one, uh, Bridgepoint Parkway, if you're familiar with the Bay Area. Anyway, so I pull in there, do uh, just top up on the supercharger while my wife's doing some shopping, come out, we go to leave, get on the freeway to, to head back home, and I, I turn autopilot back on, and I kid you not, 
it was like autopilot was drunk. Like it had had though, like there was too many electrons, <laughs> just too many electrons too fast. I, I had, it was swerving the car. It was with autopilot on, it was swerving to the right, like out of the lane and then coming back over. And it just kept doing that. And I had to turn it off. It was, I've never seen anything like this before. And then I thought to myself, well, wait a second. When was even the last time that I supercharged? And it hasn't been, I haven't done it in the pandemic because I haven't driven far or or had a situation like that where I stopped and just supercharged for any reason. And so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the first time I've supercharged in a while, but I, I mean, I have supercharged and had no problem with autopilot afterwards. The only... The only thing I can think of is that, let's see, I think I got my hardware three upgrade in February or March. Yeah, well, March was right before, it was before the pandemic. Maybe it was February, I'd have to look it up. Anyway, it's possible that I've never supercharged since I got my hardware three computer. And that would be the only thing where, that that would be different from previous supercharging usage Go, you know, heading right into autopilot usage. So very strange. If, if that has ever happened to you, I'd love to hear from you just because I did search uh, I, and, and I could not find any. I found a couple of threads about it, but no definitive, here's what this is and here's how to fix it. I mean, what I did was I ended up, uh, we had to make one more quick stop. So when we did that, I did a, I did a hard reset of the car. I, you know, I did foot on the brake, push in both scroll wheels, and then let the scroll wheels off, keep the brake held down. So I did the hard reboot on the car, and then when we got back out on the road after that, it was fine again, and it's been fine since. I've taken it out, I guess just today, just one more time, or no, no, two more times since then, because I went to my allergist. So anyway, it's been fine since then, but it was just very bizarre. And I have to say, it temporarily really shook my confidence in autopilot. I mean, it was it was behaving in a very, quite frankly, unsafe manner. I'd never seen anything like this. So very odd there. And uh, finally, this may finally be the week that I get the zero G wheels. <laughs> um, it's looking good. It says in the Tesla app, in the service appointment that they're ready for me. So I think it might finally happen and I might be able to tell you about uh, about what I think of them next week. So w- again, take a look at my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan, if you, uh, throughout the week, if you're curious to learn uh, the, the fate of, of, of whether or not that happened before next week's show. Uh, real quick, the suggestion from Stefan and Monterey about a video game or TV show to watch if you're still at home a lot. And I'll tell you, just the sh- I'm watching right now. In fact, if I can get the podcast done in time tonight, I don't think I quite will. So I'll look to finish it tomorrow. But I've got one episode to go on The Boys, which is a, a very dark superhero show on, on Amazon Prime Video. It came recommended to me by several different people just randomly. And so I thought, okay, I better watch this. And yes, it is excellent. Fair warning. It's very, very, very not safe for your family at all. 
for <laughs> not safe for your kids adults only television show but I'm really enjoying it it's uh, it's good stuff so if you've got prime video check that out all right Lucas from Switzerland has our pro tip of the week go ahead Lucas hello Ryan this is Lucas from Switzerland calling in with a potential pro tip today when I clean the car I always find it difficult to clean the inside of the door windows especially the bottom part where the window retracts slightly into the door once you open it. What you can do about it is take a pen or anything else hard enough to push the door latch mechanism in and make the car think that the door is actually closed. It will then rise up the window and you can just clean the window regularly. Before closing the door again, you just have to make sure you press either the door button on the inside or you pull on the outside door handle so the window retracts again. I hope this helps you and also your audience. It sure helps me in my cleaning routine, and I wish uh, Daisy the Boxer and you a very nice evening. Thank you, Lucas. That is helpful. That is one of the annoying little things for me personally about cleaning the car, so I appreciate this suggestion very much. Thank you for calling in, and again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something interesting about your car that may not be super obvious that you'd like to share with the rest of the Tesla community, I would love to hear from you. You can call in in the very same way that you send in the Ride the Lightning hotline calls. All right, before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast. AbstractOcean.com, running that coupon code as usual for listeners of this show. If you've never shopped there, well, you've got a standing offer for 15% off of your first order using the coupon code RTL podcast, all one word, RTL podcast, abstractocean.com. They are, again, I, I think this is fair to say, I said this last week, they're like the Costco of Tesla accessories. They've just, they've got everything and plenty of it. They've got upgraded interior lighting kits, including different colors. They've got the uh, vinyl wraps for the center console. If you're, uh, you don't want to see that get all scratched up and fingerprinted up. That was literally one of the first things I did in my car when I got it was wrap that center console. They've got the tempered glass screen protectors for the 3 and the Y. They've got the Roadster style TESLA lettering if you want to put that on the back instead of the T logo. All kinds of great stuff. Check them out. uh, AbstractOcean.com puretesla.com slash RTL, meanwhile, is your one-stop shop for all of your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Whether you would like the 128 gigabyte kit for $49 or the 256 gig kit for $69, it's free shipping in the US. It's plug and play straight out of the package and right into your car, ready to go. Works with Mac or a PC. So check them out puretesla.com slash RTL, a nice long-term solution for your dash cam. Meanwhile, the summer sale at Jada is ending. You might, depending when you hear this and when you try to purchase, it might still work. The uh, summer sales codes from Jada on the wireless charging pad for the Model 3, and then there's the USB hub for the 3 or the Y There's a different variant for each one. So if you want to buy a hub, you can get $10 off of that. If this code still works and the code is JADA10, 
$15 off of the Jada wireless charging pad for Model 3 with the code JADA15. And again, JADA here spelled J-E-D-A. If you wanna buy both, they'll give you even an even bigger discount. It's JADA30 for $30 off of both. And again, I'm actually not sure this works. I haven't heard from anybody to see if it does, but also try the Ride the Lightning discount code. And that is the code, Ride the Lightning. Just uh, make sure you spell it right. Uh, Ride the Lightning, all one word, for $10 off, hopefully on top of all those other discounts, which would just make it a heck of a deal at Jada. I love my wireless charging pad. I've got the V3 in there now, uh, and I've got the USB hub, which is great as well. So good stuff from Jada. Uh, And then, of course, Immaculate Reflections has taken fantastic care of my car, keeping it looking its very best. They can do the same for you if you're gonna be in the Bay Area or you are in the Bay Area with your car and you would like to get perhaps paint correction, maybe paint protection film on some or all of the car. Maybe you wanna do a uh, ceramic coating package so that you don't have to wax the car for the next, oh, three to five years or so. Any of those services, all of them, Jeff is happy to work with you. You can look up more about him and book in with him on his website, irdetailing.com. And then finally, my friends at livingtesla.com slash RTL. That's the website to use. Makers of the snap plate for all four Tesla vehicles. This is the front license plate holder for people like me that hate a front license plate. It uh, snaps on and off in seconds, but it will, it is secure. Like you need a tool and you can just keep that tool uh, right in your glove box or center console if you do wanna take it, but nobody can just walk up and take it. It's not, it's not like that, but it does come on and off easily with the tool that's provided. So uh, again, if you wanna take it off for car shows, put it on for parking meters, put it on for uh, toll roads and bridges, take it off for washing your car, However you want to do it, like I said, easy on off. That's the deal with this. It's autopilot safe. It will not scratch the paint, the grill, the radiator, anything else. Clean, minimal design, which I'm a big fan of. So get yours at livingtesla.com slash RTL. Oh, and I actually, I forgot to give you, sorry, on Jada, my apologies. I know this is running long. I forgot to give you the referral link. Please use this. uh, Otherwise... They'll never know that you came from via this podcast and spoil and full disclosure, uh, they will not throw me a couple bucks. So if you would use this link, it would really help me out if you choose to buy. So for Jada with the wireless charging pad and or the USB hub, it's getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And again, Jada spelled J-E-D-A. The podcast is available on just about every major podcast service including YouTube, if you like to just listen there. There's no video again on YouTube, but if you want to listen over there, you can do it. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You'll find my channel and you can easily subscribe right there. And finally, I mentioned it at the top of the show, so just real fast, the Patreon. Uh, If you are willing and able to support my efforts on the podcast, I would sincerely appreciate it. It is the five-year anniversary. I've been at it every single week for five years, sometimes more often than every week. 
I've had a couple of instances where I've done two shows in a week on, on those rare occasions. Back when I got my car, and I forget what the other one... Oh, there was the beginner's guide thing that I made back in November of... I think it was November 2018, if I remember correctly. Anyway, a lot of work goes into this podcast. I love doing it, but it, it is... Uh, it is not a trivial thing. A lot of a lot of time, energy, research, love, and enthusiasm goes into it. So uh, it will always be free. But if you are if you are willing and, and able to support me a little bit, that would be sincerely appreciated. Whether it's at that new seven dollar tier that I talked about with the early access and the caller priority, or or one of the other tiers that has one that has a they each have their own stacking. Uh, perk to go with them. So you can find out more on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That, I believe, will about wrap it up. Aside from the shout out to the Patreon producers, I want to thank my newest Patreon producer, Hud Hassel. Uh, Hud, you know, I should have messaged you beforehand. Let me know if it's Hassel. Hassel or Hassel? Uh, my first instinct is Hassel, but uh, let me know if I've got that wrong because I want to make sure I get it right going forward. But welcome to the Patreon producer group. Thank you so much for your support, HUD. And then the rest of the Patreon producers who've been with me for a while, Pete White, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, Ramey from TeslaProTips.com, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, and my friend from Twitter, at Rodam. Thank you all so very much for supporting the podcast. It really does mean a lot, and it really does make a difference in my life in these uncertain times. So thank you all very much for your support. And that will do it for Ride the Lightning 264. Daisy is, oh yeah, she's out cold behind me. Uh, just, uh, she looks very comfortable though. I'm not going to be too far behind. It's, it's late at night. I'm about ready for bed, but another fun episode, another fun week of Tesla news and more. And there's always something fun to talk about. That's the thing about Tesla. That's, I could not have picked a better company to do a weekly podcast about. Because most companies, a weekly podcast might be five minutes long, but it's no problem to do an hour on Tesla every week, and it's fun. There's always something new and interesting to talk about. So uh, for the snoozing Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning 264. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you back here next week.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.